Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi and welcome to episode 185 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I am taking a little break from the podcast because during the month of December, I celebrate a bunch of holidays and I wonder if you are too. But I still wanted to release some episodes to help you just to feel like a little bit more power as you're going through the season. And this episode today is a bit different. So if you're new to the Love Food Podcast, just know it is a bit different. And I will be getting back to my regularly scheduled uh, podcasts on January 1st, where I will be releasing episodes based on a letter like they always are. But today, like I said, is a bit different because I am going to be releasing a podcast that I did with another podcaster named Heather Kaplan. Heather is the person that's behind the Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics. Oh my gosh, I totally messed up that name, but it's Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics, also known as WIND. She's the person behind that organization which is really important if you're someone like me, a dietitian. You know, I'm a dietitian that is not the typical one because I don't put people on diets, I don't focus on weight, and I think actually those things are super harmful. And there aren't many dietitians that do things the way I do, but yet I feel really invested to spread the word because I think it's really important as a dietitian to be evidence-based and to help people not harm them. Diets, as we know, they do harm us, even though they're like totally seductive in their ways that they try to make us feel hopeful, that things are going to be better. Really what happens is it just sends us into this like dieting roller coaster with a chaotic relationship with food. Well, I digress. I am including this episode that I did with Heather Kaplan on her podcast called RD Real Talk. And I picked it out because you probably have heard me talk about this thing called FENCI, which stands for the Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo. FENCI is the Super Bowl for dietitians. And I was a part of a podcast panel where we discussed how to use non-diet approaches in media. And I thought you'd be interested because you get to hear from some other kick-ass dietitians. And they include Christy Harrison from Food Psych. You also get to hear from Rebecca Scritchfield from Body Kindness, Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones from their podcast, Food Heaven. 
This was a blast to record because normally when I record a podcast, I'm sitting at my desk staring at a lamp and a bunch of pillows because I'm trying to make the sound better. And so this was different. I was in a room full of other dietitians who were doing similar work and sitting at a table with these people that I really admire and have been listening to their podcasts for a very long time. So Although it was a blast to record, you'll notice that the sound is a little different just because it was a live recording and again, so much fun. But before we get to this special broadcast, keep in mind, January 1st, I'll be back with my regular episodes and I cannot wait to arm your toolbox with more ways to fight back diet culture. And I will be interviewing lots of really fun, great guests, but before I can do all that, I need your Dear Food Letter. Yes, I haven't heard from you yet. So send your Dear Food Letter to lovefoodpodcasts at gmail.com. All right, enough of all that. Let's hear the live from Fancy podcast that was featured on RD Real Talk. Okay, so we're going to start with a quick icebreaker, go down the line with podcasts that we recommend that are mostly not nutrition related. So Rebecca, why don't you get us started? So I would love to recommend that you tune into a podcast called Go Help Yourself. It is with Lisa Linky, who is an actress, and she co-hosts with her friend. Her friend loves self-help books, and she hates them. And so they choose a book, read it, and then they try to find what is useful or what is total BS about the book. And I recommend the first one you listen to is the one on Girl, Wash Your Face. There's a lot of really interesting insights in that particular book, which they found mostly to be problematic, which I think most of us in this room could agree with that. My recommendation is She's All Fat, the podcast She's All Fat. So if any of you know the podcast Call Your Girlfriend, which I know Heather is going to recommend, that's another one of my favorites. And She's All Fat is sort of a a, a Call Your Girlfriend-esque podcast with two best friends who live in... I think they both live in LA now, actually, but they talk about pop culture, you know, politics, current affairs, etc. But through a fat acceptance lens, they're both you know, claim the term fat. April Quio and Sophie Carter-Khan are the, the two co-hosts. And actually, if you listen to Call Your Girlfriend, you'll hear Sophie Carter-Khan's name at the, in the credits at the end. She does the social media for Call Your Girlfriend. But it's really great. It's, it's very- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Very intersectional, feminist, fat positive, fun. Like it's not, you know, I think a lot of times people hear the terms intersectional feminism and feel like it's going to be a college lecture, but I feel like they just incorporate it into everything they discuss when they're talking about their problematic faves in pop culture, you know, things that they like and don't like and sort of dissecting what's going on in our political system or, you know, whatever topics they, they're sort of grabbing them at the moment. So it's really great. They have I think like a couple hundred or like a hundred episodes or something, they're actually starting to switch their schedule around. So now it's going to be exclusively for Patreons, I think, going forward or have some, you know, level of Patreon support to be able to 
get the podcast going forward, but they have amazing archives, which I think would be good to start with. Mm -hmm. And then if you get as into it as I am, then you can support them going forward and get their Patreon exclusive content. So So I recommend Call Your Girlfriend, quote, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. And it is Ann Friedman and Aminat Tussauds. And they talk mostly about politics, what's going on in feminism, what's going on in their lives. They talk to really interesting authors, activists, people out in the world who are making a big difference. And most of them you maybe haven't heard of or wouldn't hear on an interview in other like radio shows or, you know, something like NPR. So I feel like I get a really good dose of like pop culture, politics, feminists, news. And I love all of it because it gives me like a different lens through which to think about things or things I haven't heard of on the news. One of their favorite things is talk about victimless scammers, which I love. So yeah, call your girlfriend. Definitely recommend. All right. So I have an like one that's been my like favorite for a really long time. And then a new one, someone just suggested to me that I don't know a lot about, but I still want to say it. So one that I've been really into for a number of years now is this, is called typology, which I'm an Enneagram person. I've really been studying it for a while and I'm a four. Any other fours here? <laughs> We're so dramatic and so blah, whatever. But anyway, so I really like typology because it helps just understand people's different like lived experience and point of view. And actually, Rebecca told me about this one. It's called Nobody Asked for This. I haven't listened to it yet, but I have like now downloaded all of them so I can listen to them on the way home. And I'm really, really, really excited about that one. I think you'll like it too. So I'm actually not the biggest fan of talking like personality interview podcasts. My favorite ones are always stories, especially if it's like over a long period of time, like serial. Have you guys all listen? Yeah. If you haven't, you need to do that like immediately. <laughs> but I would say my favorite favorite recent ones would be Startup. I don't know if anyone has heard of that, but if you guys heard of Gimlet, it's a network founded by Alex Lumberg. Yeah, Alex Bumberg. And he does a whole like story about him starting this podcast network. He used to work for Planet Money in This American Life. And I just like, yeah, podcasts where it's following someone for a long period of time. They also, they, they follow a lot of different startups and do whole seasons on them. They had one on the guy who founded American Apparel and like it was, he's like very scandalous. Yeah, so I like that. I mean, there's so many. I like Finding Richard Simmons. Oh, did you listen to that? I just love any like long story. There was a Bikram one on the guy who founded Bikram Yoga and like all that scandal. So yeah, I'm bigger on stories. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of them too. But I always go back to The Nod. So The Nod is like untold Black history in like a really comical, interesting way. And I like that the episodes are like just really short and sweet. They're like maybe 35 minutes and you just always learn something very valuable, something that I don't think you would have come across on like the internet or in books. Like one that I listened to recently was about the history of the cha-cha slide. And it's like, okay, do we even ever think about this stuff? But they like go into it and they interview the guy who invented the cha-cha slide. It's like crazy. And actually recently they did a Health at Every Size inspired episode because they, they don't, I don't think they, you know, they're just like in media. I don't think they have like in-depth understanding of Hayes, but they interviewed Sabrina Strings who authored the book Freeing the Black Body. And it was really good. And I just love that they touch on such a wide range of topics and it's very light. It like, you know how some episodes you feel like you want to like just crawl under a rock and like never interact with anyone. Like it's like funny, you know, it's like funny and uplifting and yeah. So the nod. Yeah. 
Okay, so we have a list of questions we're going to go through and kind of some talking points. Obviously, there are six of us, so we maybe won't get to everyone on every question, but we'll certainly try. And then we have some submitted questions at the end, and then we'll hopefully have a little time for Q&A as well. So we're just going to get started with a little bit about our own shows and kind of how they've shaped our careers and our business as a dietitian. So Rebecca, do you want to get us started? Why did you start your podcast? Well, I love to talk. (laughs) And yeah, I tried to get into the blogging and I was like, meh, I like to talk. And essentially, I was watching podcasts growing. And I was, when I was working on the book and it was getting ready to be released, we had all types of conversations just around, okay, so the, 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 the heart of the philosophy is we need to help people focus on well-being and not their weight. And I want to talk to the person that's like, but I care about health, but I don't ever want to diet again. And so, and just knowing that that would be so complicated to get across, like, what does it even mean? How do you do it? And so I ended up getting back in touch with a friend of mine who back when I was a very bad girl and did weight normative stuff, (laughs) Bernie Salazar, he was actually a former contestant on The Biggest Loser and he was a winner. And so we used to give presentations and our hearts were in the right place, right? But he would like jump through the fat photo and like everybody, and we were there to help, but it was just now that ours are open, it was so problematic. So I got back in touch with him and I said, Hey, we haven't talked in a while. I've got some stuff. I think it would be great to get in conversation about it and talk to you about it. And we could do a podcast. And he was like, no. And he had all this shame because he weight cycled and he was like hiding from the world. And I said, you know, just come and talk to me one time and we'll take it from there. And so that ended up being the whole first season was me just talking with him about what it could even mean to be good to yourself and one layer at a time. So, and then it's evolved since then. But I think ultimately that it was just this mix of, I have a voice and that voice has power and I have something that I need to get out. What is the best way for me to get that out? And ultimately it was podcasting. So I started my podcast six and a half years ago. My first career was as a journalist. I started in 2003 working in media, writing and editing about food and nutrition. And so, you know, that was my first love. My first career was writing and journalism. But I shifted gears and went back to school to become a dietitian in uh, 2009. And, you know, partly driven by my own disordered eating and obsession with food and weight and partly driven by the sort of decline of the media industry and the fact that it didn't feel like a very safe bet anymore to just be an editor, that I needed some other marketable skill set to draw on. And they closed the magazine I was working at and fired everyone. So that was uh, sort of a good premonition, actually. Um, So I was working while I was in school to become a dietitian and get my master's of public health at the New York City Department of Health, actually with Jessica. And I, 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 we did a job together doing nutrition education at farmer's markets. And then I moved into the nutrition policy side at the Department of Health. And so nutrition policy was a lot of like numbers and, you know, looking at menus and analyzing things and spreadsheets and just like not a lot of human connection. 
And I had worked at Gourmet Magazine. That was my last job in media. And that was all about like people's relationships with food and connecting over food and the sort of human side of food. So I was really missing that in my job at the Department of Health. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts while I did all my number crunching. One of them being WTF with Mark Marin. That was one of my first early favorites. And I was like, you know, I have skills at interviewing people from being a journalist. I love podcasts. I'm obsessively listening to podcasts all the time. I'd love to be like the Mark Maron of food podcasts and like talk to people about their relationships with food, their deep, weird issues with food, just sort of get people to open up to me about you know everything to do with their relationship with food. So that's how the podcast began in 2013. And then, and that was also sort of at the beginning of my transition into specializing in eating disorders. And through that, you know, with the second season of the podcast, I decided to make it exclusively about eating disorder recovery and was learning, 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 going to conferences, getting supervision, and realizing that Hayes was really the best way to promote recovery, that Hayes was and intuitive eating were sort of the gold standard of recovery from eating disorders and disordered eating. So the third season, I decided to make it all about health at every size. That was like the theme of the third season. And then it just went so well and it was so much fun and so enriching to me personally that I never looked back, that now that's the theme of my podcast all the time. So that is the story of Food Psych. (laughs) I'm going to skip it over to Wendy and Jess. So we're not always going down the line. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. So we actually started our podcast because I used to live in New York. And when I moved back to California, we weren't able to do these different videos that we were doing. So a podcast was really the easiest way. And then when we first, you know, did an episode, we're like, oh my God, this is so much better than doing videos because you you could just show up. You don't have to look cute. You could, you know, just (laughs) it was such a different vibe. And also you can like in videos, it's like a two, three minute kind of snippet, but a podcast, you can go more in depth. But it's interesting. My background is kind of similar to you, Christy, because I was a journalist as well. And I had a similar kind of interest in, you know, going back to school because I was like, oh, I don't know if the media industry is going to be, you know, profitable, I guess, like our way to make a living five years from now. And it's funny because when I was in school, I worked for this publication called Pop and Politics. It was a website about the intersection of pop culture and politics. This was like in 2003 or something. And we actually had a podcast where it was, I think, maybe three or four hosts. We would have different people on. And I loved every second of it. We would do it in like an actual studio. And so I feel like this just kind of brought all of those like journalist feelings back for me. And it's been great. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we've also grown with the podcast. So we've been podcasting now, I think, for five or six years. And initially it was very robotic. Like we we didn't know. We were like, this is the recommendation for, yeah. And then like, we're like, okay, we should probably just chill and like be a little more conversational. And then eventually we started bringing on guests and and now we're, we take a pretty firm health at every size approach with the guests that we bring on and the topics that we cover. Although we, I mean, we cover many, many topics outside of health at every size as well. But initially it was just like very bare bones. It was like, here's what you do for hypertension, you know? And like looking back, I'm like, I don't even want to listen to some of these episodes because they sound so crazy. But yeah, it's been really nice because we've grown, as we've grown as dietitians, the podcast has also grown and expanded. I started Love Food after working with individuals for about 15 years and just partnering with them on their recovery from eating disorders or just feeling more at home in their own skin. And something that I got to really appreciate is that our relationship with food mirrors 
all these other relationships we have in life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like appreciating that and connecting to that was really he- healing for my clients to see. And then the other side of things is like, whenever I would talk to clients, I'm like, man, I wish you were in the room with me when I was meeting with all these other clients. Cause y'all are going through the same thing. Yeah. Everyone has the same, like different life stories and lived experiences, but like, there's so many themes that everyone keeps bringing up. And I also, you know, this was like four years ago, I was appreciating, I didn't have any more time to fit more clients in, but I still want to reach more people. And I also wanted to provide a resource that was free. So people could have this kind of healing modality. And so that's why I started it. I'm like, and having people write the letter, it basically allows people then to connect to their own lived experience, but also to be able to identify that food does mirror all these other relationships in life. It's very complex, but yet it's so common with everybody. So, Cool. Uh, My story is far less noble than anyone else on this panel. (laughs) So I started my show about two and a half years ago, right around the same time that I opened my business, which I didn't even really know what that was going to be. So it was like private practice, a little bit of consulting. I was still run coaching at the time. I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out as I go. And Kim actually suggested on a mastermind call. It was something I had been thinking about because I had done a podcast through a startup that I had worked for previous to doing my own thing. And she was like, why don't you do a podcast? And I was like, I will do a podcast. (laughs) That sounds like a lot of fun. And so for me, it actually was a way to feel less isolated in my business. So starting out going from always being on a team to being on my own, working mostly virtually, working mostly from home or coffee shops, became this really fun way to get to talk to other dietitians. And that was kind of exclusively my guest list for a while, just reaching out to dietitians that I wanted to chat with. So that just became a really fun way to meet people, to talk to my friends, <laughs> to... It ended up being a great way to network and then has gradually evolved into a way to bring obviously health at every size, weight inclusive conversations into the mix and to talk about those things from different angles with people in different fields and kind of exploring all the different nuances of those topics. So I'm curious for each of the people on this panel, we all have shows that are pretty mindful of inclusivity and kind of talking to people in different walks of life and different communities and different career paths. So I'd love for you guys to touch on how you select your guests, and what is a way that someone's work might catch your eye? I guess I'm holding the mic, so I'll start. (laughs) And I see some people that I have selected in the audience. So I think my method of selecting guests has evolved over the years, of course, because at first it was just, you know, talking to people who had an interesting relationship with food, even if that was kind of disordered at the time. And now I really seek out people who are, you know, specialized in health at every size and intuitive eating and have an interesting or unique lens on that. So, you know, some folks I see in the audience here, I reached out to on Instagram. I think that is one of my platforms of choice because I sort of scroll through and look at comments and see people interacting and, you know, just see interesting conversations happening there. And so I'll kind of dig into someone's work from that. I also get recommended guests from other past guests that I've had. So, you know, have people that I trust, colleagues that I know and love, you know, will reach out to me and say, Hey, I have a friend who does X, Y, and Z, who's not super active on social media, maybe who's not someone that might cross your path another way, but you know, really think you'd love their work. So that's another avenue that I find people... I don't really get pitches or I, I get a million pitches, but I don't really take pitches so much anymore. I used to have, you know, occasionally have people on the podcast who had pitched me, but I've found that it just isn't... 
it, it wasn't as organic or didn't feel as exciting to have people on who I wasn't, you know, in that moment excited about their work. So I've now, you know, kind of completely stopped taking pitches. So don't pitch us. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I rely on is two things, actually. So clients will often bring to me things that they have found. And then, and, you know, my lived experience is going to provide like just a certain filter to reach out to certain people. And my clients have different lived experience. So they'll, they've brought me really wonderful suggestions for people to have on. And then the other thing is because the the letter on my podcast is the, the meat of the show, I really rely on concepts in there and certain concepts, many, actually not certain, many concepts I am not an expert in. And so I look for people who definitely are weight inclusive for sure. That has to be a part of it. And then are experts in that area, but I haven't really heard from yet. Like someone that has been tackling a certain issue and yeah, I just don't know much about yet. So that's usually how I kind of find a person. So we go with people who we want to be friends with. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> like, let's chat. Come on on our podcast. People who have a very unique angle of expertise that, you know, that we like for a topic that we might not know a lot about and who we can kind of pick their brain. Um, also people who I think are overshadowed in the world of wellness where they're like oftentimes ignored. Like we don't care about like people who have like a big following or whatever. Like if you have a unique angle and like there's something that our audience can learn from you like we would love to bring you on and we've had people on who like dm us or like people who follow us and like you know so and also i mean something that we've been being more mindful of lately too is like have they done interviews before because <laughs> sometimes we we're recording podcast interviews and it's like you know I'm like oh my god we're gonna have to spend three hours editing this because you do have to have like a certain way of talking on podcast interviews that is conducive to actually like airing a podcast interview and so I think that that's been important for us too and you know hopefully like some of our guests they have some kind of experience doing an interview before because it just makes it harder if they don't. I was just going to add to that. For me, it's just who I find interesting or like any topic. Because we, yeah, we talk about everything. So we've had like financial literacy. We talk a lot about health at every size, like fertility, like literally anything. And so if there's anything that I feel like, oh, like journaling, we had, we haven't aired these episodes yet, but the Enneagram, we had a dietitian, yeah, where I don't know if she's here, but she focuses on, you know, habits and how that reflects your Enneagram number. So just anything that, yeah, we would, we're engaged. That's kind of who we're going to have. I've been taking notes. <laughs> what is my method? <laughs> yeah. So I think that when I really stop and think about it now, it's like been doing it for four years and it's, I'm getting, you know, first you just throw spaghetti at the wall and then you get more and more focus. And so I think of this mindset of, okay, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And so when I look at my podcast, I'm like, okay, impact, like different ways of creating impact on the culture and just weave it in a body kindness somehow, you know, but you know, I'll, I'll make that link fit, but it's, I'm thinking about that. It is a time and money investment. And so that's sort of the tool mechanism. And 
like, for example, I was like, I was, I was thinking about recent guests or upcoming guests. And like, in, in one sense, you have to be patient. Like I've had over 130 some episodes. I've never had Deb Regard on. It's not that she doesn't know her stuff. It's like, wait for it, wait for it. And we've talked several times. And anyway, what we're about to schedule and what we're landing on is this like, what you do and don't know about haze and honest mistakes you're making, like this really empathic, there's more alike than there's more different. And Deb is really, really good at that. And there'll be stuff that comes up in culture and we're like, oh, we should do this and that and the other thing. And, and so we're being patient to tool together the perfect one with someone like her because it's going to get shared a bazillion times and for years. And so there's certain ones that it's like, you know, you got to let it cook for a long time and it's okay. So don't always rush yourself. But then there's that newsy like Kerbo. And I was like, faster than I could pitch, (laughs) faster than I could pitch the post, write the article, get their biased edits and get something out. I could be like, yo, this is bad. Kids can track their alcohol, you know? And so that was just super fast. And then because I knew it would be going on for a while, I made sure that I had newsy links in my show notes and I would replay clips of old episodes with the tease, a new tease. Hey, this is happening right now. You got to tune in and listen to this podcast number 32, which you might've missed. And that's been really helpful. So when the Nike fitness leggings BS came out, I had an athletes at every size with Rig and Chastain. And we talked about how they don't make enough clothes. So you get what I'm saying? So I could take 10 minutes and say something and be super newsy and be like, get this out. So sometimes you have to roll with things like that because it's a cultural, what people are talking about now, they might not talk about it in a week. And so being flexible in in that regard, I do tend to look for art authors. And part of it is that selfish, I want to be your friend, slash, I want a free book, slash, I want motivation to read said freed book because I'm going to use it in client counseling and in supervision with other clients. So the example for this is Stephen Hayes. He's the founder of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. He has a new book out. I scheduled the interview, saw some stuff about weight loss, mentions of Kelly Brownell, and I was like, fat phobia, throw it in the fire. And then, and I was, I was gonna cancel him. I hate you, I'm gonna cancel you. And then there was this other part of me, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're gonna, you know, surprise him. Gotcha, you know. And I was like, no, 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 that's not it. And I was like, here, just be gentle. Like, you know, just stop and talk and be gentle. And anyway, it's not out yet, but when we talked about it, he ends up sharing this amazing story about how when they first went in with this intervention about weight management, that the outcomes were bad. And then they said, why don't we do this shame-based? And so they actually made it weight-inclusive and saw all these great improvements, but he's not using the words weight-inclusive. He's not using the words health at every size. But I'm like, and he has all this power. So if I can have this gentle conversation with him, that is going to happen. I might make an impact on his life. And then he's going to take that and have all this amazing amplification of power. So, you know, there's, I think there's this sense of if somebody's getting published, they've got privilege and education and all these connections. So how can I sort of create this win-win 
and make sure that that topic is going to make a big impact on the culture. And I probably need to pass the microphone, but I always think about helping people. And real quick one, I usually don't take pitches either, but referrals. So I've been ignoring this pitch for forever. I threw away twice that she sent me the book. And then I just had Angie Manfredi on who wrote the anthology, The Other F Word, which is a book for teens. And it is awesome. And she's like, so I have this friend, her name is, and I was like, oh yeah. I was like, okay, because you recommended her. So now I'm doing it. And so that is, you know, sometimes, you know, if I really trust the person who's recommending, that's... Anyway, sorry, really long story, but yeah, no. I would say I don't have a ton to add to that. Like very similar reasons that I might ask someone to be on my show. Like what are their values? How do they align within their practice? Do I think they're interesting? Do I want to be friends with them? All those things sound great. Something that I've tried to do, I won't say I've always done it very well, but I have tried to have some of those more difficult conversations with people who I probably disagree with. Some of those episodes have aired. A small handful of them have not because I just feel like I didn't handle the conversation very well. Not to say like it got volatile or anything, but I just feel like I'm like, "Eh, I just don't love kind of how that went. Just be real with you. And then another thing that I think about as I'm scrolling through social media is like, does does someone post something that I think requires more than an Instagram caption, which is almost everything, right? But an example that comes to mind is Taylor Wolfram. I don't know if she's here tonight, but she posted about veganism and intuitive eating, which is something she feels really passionate about and navigates really well. And it's very nuanced. And when she posted that on Instagram, I was like, let's talk about that. Like that is way more than a caption. And I know that you're going to talk about it more now that you've kind of put it out there, but let's have a conversation about it. Because as we have said, like it's very hard to just get things out through captions and blog posts and newsletters and conversations can be a lot more powerful. So that's also something I think about. Jumping ahead to our next question, which is what advice would you give your young podcasting self? I think we've all kind of given snippets of that as we've explained. Like even for me, I've only had my show for two years. So I think it might be the youngest on the panel, but I cringe a whole lot. When I listen to those early episodes, the audio is horrible. Like I'm not quite there yet. Like we just, you know, we need some time to grow and evolve. Let it cook. Be patient. (laughs) I'm definitely telling myself that. But yeah, if there's anything you guys would add that you haven't said yet, anything you would kind of give advice to your younger podcasting self? I think I would, I would say like, just not not to second guess myself as much. I second guess myself so much when I first started the podcast. I was editing it all myself. And so it was really painful to listen to my own verbal tics and trying to, you know, I was very perfectionistic about it at first, trying to edit out all the little likes and ums and uhs and weird verbal tics that I had. And I would just, I mean, I, I think having gone through that process honestly helped me get to a point where I was just like, I can't anymore. I can't do this to myself because it was killing me to have to, you know, it, it really put me in sort of a tailspin of self-doubt. And so I would like to take that away from my younger podcasting self and not have gone through that. But I also think going through that helped me just get to a point of just like, okay, like screw it. I'm just going to do this. And it allowed me to sort of open up to making mistakes. I do think that listening to the episodes for editing can be really helpful because it can help you with like your interview style or the way you ask questions or the way you engage with an answer that maybe takes you in a different direction, but it's also very painful. (laughs) It's like, why did I ask it that way? Or why do I sound like that? Or yeah, it's hard. 
I would say being okay with just going off script because we have questions for our podcast that we always send to guests or some past guests like here on the panel and in the room. But I think it's really important to use that as a guideline, but be comfortable, you know, going off. Because I know in the beginning, like people might say something really interesting and then we just kind of ignore that and like, okay, so this is the next question, you know? (laughs) And it's like, wait, but they just said something that we could have followed up on. I think if you can do things in person, which is not really that realistic, but the times that we have had the guests actually in the studio with us, it's been so amazing because you can actually see them and feel their energy and it just makes for a much better conversation. So that's another thing, if if at all possible. Anything that you would add to that? No? Okay. (laughs) Anyone else? Okay. So in doing a little research for this, I pulled up the top 100 nutrition podcasts and this is on iTunes. So I know that's only one platform where you can listen to podcasts, but it's very depressing. to say the least. So we do have Christy way up there, maybe top five. All of these shows are definitely top 20, not mine, but the rest of the shows are like (laughs) top 20. So they're up there, but what you see in between or often sandwiching these Hazeline weight inclusive shows are the keto podcast, the paleo podcast, this bro science podcast, like... (laughs) They're all in the top 30. And it's really like paleo, keto, paleo, keto, food psych, paleo, keto. It's like... (laughs) Oh, God. So selfishly, I would really love to see more non-diet, weight-inclusive, haze-aligned dietitians in that mix. I do note looking around this room that there are people here who have podcasts. So I want to say and hold me to this. We will do a shout out before we wrap this up so we can share all of the other shows that are already out there. But I want to be mindful of the fact that there is a little bit of a learning curve. This is a huge time commitment. We can all attest to that. So. What are some ways in which you guys might encourage people to kind of get involved, whether that's starting a show, lifting up other voices, whatever comes to mind? And what are some ways we can kind of call out the barriers to podcasting and bust some myths maybe? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, anything that comes to mind. So one thing that I can appreciate a lot of us experience in this world of like, well, I want to make podcasts or write a blog or book or something, but somebody else has already done it. So I'm not going to do it. But like she said, there are like 42,000 ketos. So why can't they be 42,000 health and every size podcasts, right? And we all have different experiences and we all click with different people. So who cares if there's like, just so many repetitive haze podcasts. I think that would be so beautiful. And yeah, there is a learning curve. There's a tech learning curve. I'm sure like so many of us on this panel would be happy to like help you with some of the tech stuff. I mean, it's so... Once you do it once, like so many, so many things you don't ever have to do again. And But you reach people in such a different way. Like you're literally in people's ears and talking to them. So you can connect with people so much better than I think in like the written word. And, and it is accessible since it's free. And podcasting has... Yeah, it has some barriers because of the tech, but you can literally have one for $5 a month, you know, hosting it in a certain place and things like that. And and so could make it really low tech and just over time, it becomes easier as you kind of like practice it. So then you can kind of make it more snazzy, but yeah, just starting it. And yeah, your voice is very needed for sure. I think it's also really important that as dietitians, 
we share resources and education because I think there's a lot of mystery around how not just podcasting work, but how entrepreneurship works as a dietitian, like with brand partnerships or how do you make your podcast profitable? There's just not enough information being shared. And so I think we have to just be really open to asking. And when we are asked, be really open to being transparent about how this process works so that for people who are interested in doing this stuff, you have that information, you have some motivation to know, okay, well, yeah, this is actually something that I can do and I'm not going to lose money doing it because podcasting takes a lot of time. You have to buy equipment, you know, and you can, if you want to, you can make it profitable, you know? And so if any of you are interested, you can ask, you know, for those of us who do monetize our podcast, you can ask us like, how does that actually work? And I think it's really important to just be very open to sharing that information so that we can have more people do this work. Does anyone want to know how it works to monetize? So, because that's a good segue. I think that is one of the benefits, like with time, hopefully, you know, you can be compensated for your time. Not always. And I think for some people, it is just that labor of love. And, you know, I think a lot of us, we see patients one-on-one. So it's nice to be able to have those conversations. It can reach more people, but it's also nice to make money too. So for our podcast, I think it took, because now we've been doing it for five years. I think it took what, like three years before we started making, making it profitable. And what we were doing was just selling ad packages for the podcast. So we would have, I don't know, maybe a package that had six different ad slots over six episodes that we would sell to different companies. Or sometimes if we worked, we work with a lot of brands and they might add the podcast sponsorship as kind of an add-on to a bigger partnership. And that worked really well for us. And then it, what was it like a, last year we started working with our agency? Maybe like a year-ish ago, we started working with a podcast agency and they focus exclusively on podcasts run by women and helping them monetize the podcast basically. So they have a whole team that sells ads for your podcast. There's a bunch of companies like this. I think one is called Midroll. Ours is called Dear Media. And right now they you know, depending upon the length of the episode. So let's say your episode is 45 minutes. They might sell up to three ad slots, right? If the episode is 30 minutes, like no one wants to hear three ads. So maybe one or two ad slots. And yeah, and then they, for us, they take 30%. I just want to be transparent, like what it actually looks like. And I know other companies take different amounts, but they also produce our podcast for us. They, like I said, sell all the ads and they have the actual space where we record. So they're doing a lot more and they have like a a social media person, all of that stuff. And so it's just like the more downloads that you get, the more you can obviously command for your ad rates. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. I know certain agencies, it's like, it's per download. I don't know if anyone here has experience, but our agency is a little different. They do it based on what they think the value is. And they try to have podcasts where it's like, no, we think these are top quality and like these are the rates and you can pay them or you can't. And that strategy works well for them. So I'm with Midroll, the agency that Jess mentioned, another one of those podcast ad agencies, and also sell my own ads and do my own ads for my business. And what I found, because I didn't start with Midroll until probably season three, and I don't think my podcast started to be profitable or even start paying for itself at all until like at least halfway through, if not all the way through season two. But I first started by just doing ads for my practice by being like, you know, if you like this podcast and you want to work with me, like here's how. And started getting a lot of people coming to me that way and eventually had a waiting list and had to like 
figure out, okay, what's the next step? And that's when I decided to start my online course. And that's a way that people can work with me from anywhere in the world and you know, get my take on intuitive eating and my support without me having to be with them one-on-one. And that has been by far the most profitable like ad sales for my podcast that I've done. Basically, it's now the business model of how I finance my podcast, how I finance everything I do for free or low cost is like through selling this course and occasionally doing one-on-one coaching still and having like larger packages with that. But honestly, it's like mostly the course. And so (laughs) knock on wood that that keeps up because it's like really paying all the bills that and like the book money now is, is, has come in. But so I really think, you know, mid-roll is like a drop in the bucket for me. And I've heard that from a lot of other podcasters too, that like ads through ad agencies or just partnerships are such a small piece of the pie. And you don't have to think of that as, you know, if you're looking to start a podcast and you're kind of like, how am I going to monetize this? How am I going to make it worth my time? I think if you're a dietitian and you have any sort of practice that you can sell, like, you know, your services, that's enough. That's a good way to start. And that is enough to make it profitable. And eventually you can start doing courses or like more one-to-many kind of services. But you really don't have to get an ad agency or sell ads for partners in my mind. And for me too, like my criteria are so strict now in terms of partners that I'll work with. I leave thousands of dollars on the table from companies that want to partner with me and advertise on my podcast because I'm just like, you're a diety. I can't, you know, like it's, it doesn't align with my brand. And so I feel like selling my own products and services has been by far the best way to do that. Yeah. No, that's so funny that you say that because we are the only nutrition podcast in our network and they are always like, why are you guys turning down every single nutrition company (laughs) that comes to you? We're just like, you guys, you you just don't get it. We can't take, we can't work with this. Even if, yeah, like all the like crazy meal plans and even if they have like a keto plan, it's like, we just can't do it. They're like, yeah, everyone comes to you because we think it's like a, you know, a slam dunk. And we're just like, no, sorry. Speaking a little bit to the people who maybe have zero interest in podcasting and just like to listen, some ways you can support us and some ways that podcasts do get lifted up in those ratings, unfortunately, is like ratings and reviews. As annoying as they are, they're not easy. Like iTunes is like three clicks to even get there, which is only three clicks. But (laughs) if you're listening, the tendency is like I go from this show to the next one in my list to the next one in my list. And you don't think to go to the profile and probably almost every podcast you've ever listened to has asked you to leave a rating and review. And the reason is that keto podcast is number one because of the number of people who listen to it, but the number of people who engage with the show. So you could have a nutrition weight inclusive hazel line podcast that has like 20 listeners, but they all have left a rating and review, which will bump the show up. So it's not so much about like having the biggest audience or reaching the most people, but really having an engaged participatory audience, which is my shameless plea for you guys. I don't care what podcast it is, but if you listen to a show, the best way you can show your support, no matter what the topic is or whatever, not the keto show, don't you dare. (laughs) Um, But really the best way to show any kind of support or help the show out is to just take a few minutes, leave a review, means typing words into your phone or on your computer tapping the stars and sharing it, of course. But that really does make a huge, huge difference. So yes to what I make good use of the time. I guess nobody mentioned She Podcast yet. So it's a free Facebook group. You have to be working on your podcast. <laughs> so even if you have 
a tinge of an idea. You can request to join the group, but please read the terms and only post Windbag Wednesday on Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> et cetera. It's, it's, it's a huge group. They even have their own conference this year. Wow. So back to that sharing and all that stuff, I highly encourage folks to guest and guest a million times mm-hmm. over because you're going to work out your messages and your branding and show themes and all these things. And that becomes social media fodder for you to use. So I just, I think... I don't even think of podcasts in the silo of what I do, right? I think of more of as there's a bazillion people on Facebook and Instagram. People don't even go to rexritual.com anymore. So I have to be where the people are. So how do I, what do I want to do that doesn't suck that gets where the people are? And that's podcasting. And so I'm on mid-roll and I hate every ad they give me. And they, they treat every individual podcaster like we're NPR and they do not favor the podcaster, they favor the brand. So I'm on there and I've said no to everyone. I love the idea of Dear Media. So look at this up. It is... In that patience, I have the money privilege and I highly value financial security. And I had to like, it's kind of like the Carol Dweck mindset, like not yet. Like when I'm like profitable, immediate ads. And it's much more like, okay, I know, you know, like I know it will help with the book. I know I can mention counseling. I'm doing these groups with Glennis, like you might not be able to perfectly map, heard it on the podcast, but just trust. And so, yeah. So I think that that, that it's, when you start to bust up how you think about it, if money is an obstacle, find the cheapest way to get and do things, which could be guesting and then trying to do stuff on your own because you're going to literally learn and grow from there. And I do think that somehow it like all works out. I will say like a simple thing I did. I was like, okay, go fund me for body kindness. Here's my sob story and click, you know, click in people, you know, 20 bucks here, 15 bucks there. And even I thought about, oh, we should have like a two month fundraising campaign. And then in my quality of life with two young kids, a seven-year-old and a five and a half year old, and one needs picked up from ballet, I got to put the podcast on the back burner and go pick up my girl from ballet and not worry about, I didn't do GoFundMe. So I just think that there's this, Yes, you know, we all want success and that's amazing. And we all should love money. Women aren't allowed to love money. We all love money as much as we love food, right? (laughs) But, and sometimes something's not going to work out perfectly, but you're like, I'm throwing it at the dartboard and I didn't get the bullseye, but I'm getting closer and just keep encouraging yourself that way. Yeah. Yeah. A couple like really basic things I'll add is really all you need is like a computer or whatever this thing is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But like I started with a microphone, a nice microphone. Maybe it will cost you 50 to to $100. That's not nothing, but it's what you can get started with. As Julie mentioned earlier, most of the hosting platforms cost minimum $5 a month. So up to maybe $20, $40, $60 a month. Depends on how much data you're uploading. So that's something to consider. Like, are you doing four episodes a month or one episode a month? Are you doing seasons? And then are you paying for it to be hosted when you're not recording? Like different factors to consider. But my point is you need a computer, a microphone that doesn't suck. And sometimes you use your iPhone headphone things to get yourself started. If that's a barrier to you, like I, now I'm overwhelmed because I have to pick a microphone, like do it with your headphone things and do a few episodes. Like no one's going to, you know, people still listen, but get started with whatever, like makes it easy for you. Pick a hosting platform. They're 
search the internet. There are a ton of, ton of, I use Libsyn. Mm -hmm. Libsyn and Podbean, I think are really popular. Find a microphone. I use Zencaster to record. Some people use audio or what is it? GarageBand. Yeah. Yeah. Skype, GarageBand, and then just record and then upload it to your hosting platform. And then you submit it to iTunes. Boom. You have a podcast. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I will kind of going back to what you were talking about and what everyone has touched on, which is like, how do we make this part of the business? And is it profitable or is it just doable? That will all depend on where you are in your business, what you want out of the show. I have not done a ton of ads. I've taken some here and there. I don't work with an agency. I do talk a lot about what I'm working on. So my courses, my wind events, something this, you know, like this is coming up at Fency. And I will say with our first wind event, which for those who are not familiar, it's weight inclusive nutrition and dietetics. We did like sort of a test event in New York that ended up being like a real actual event in February. And I think it was close to 70% of people cited the podcast. Where did you hear about this event? So like use surveys, you know, when people sign up for things or you're promoting a course, like add a question in there. How did you hear about this? And that's one way you can look back and say, okay, well, you know, I don't have an ad, but 70% of people who showed up to this event said they heard about it from the podcast. So that's ROI, right? So there are lots of different ways you can make it work for your business. But again, if you don't feel like having a show, then supporting other shows and kind of, if you enjoy a podcast, which I assume you're all here, so you do (laughs) just support the ones that you listen to and then keep doing your thing. However, that looks for you. We're going to shift gears just a little bit, and then we will get to our questions. So I want to talk a little bit about messaging. Obviously, podcasting is communications, it's journalism, it's messaging, it's having conversations. So for each of you, when you think about weight-inclusive, haze-aligned conversations, what are some key points that you have learned along the way, some things you try to remember and consider um, for each of your conversations, ways you communicate that to guests? whatever comes to mind to me. (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. So this has evolved for me along the way and over the years, but I think now the sort of biggest factor that I consider when it comes to messaging on the podcast is just authenticity for to the person's story because you know I'm talking to people with a wide variety of lived experiences and wanting to make sure that they can tell their story in an honest way balanced with the mandate to keep my podcast a safe space in terms of weight inclusivity, you know, size acceptance, not being fat phobic, not being food phobic. And so, you know, figuring out kind of what guests are in the place to do that. Like who is already sharing content online that I know of that, that walks that line nicely, that sort of, you know, is open about the person's past experience and sharing what they went through in their relationship with food, but also is in a place of, you know, weight inclusivity, size acceptance, even if they're not 100% healed or recovered, whatever that means, you know, for themselves, they're speaking publicly about food and weight in a way that's not triggering, that's not you know, falling in line with the sort of diet culture messaging that I'm trying to avoid. Because with my podcast, I've, you know, definitely considered this over the years and gone back and forth of like, do I want to ever talk to people who don't share my point of view? Do I want to, you know, I did a debate at Fency last year with a someone who was on the weight management side and I was on the Hayes side and it was, you know, a big draw. And so I'm like, do I want to do debates like that on the podcast to sort of help my listeners hear how these debates go, hear the talking points and how I'm countering these opposing messages. And I think that is really interesting. But what I've landed on is that my podcast is not the place for that. I will do that on other people's platforms when they invite me to their platform that is more weight 
stigmatizing. Like the, you know, it was the weight management DPG that invited me to do this. Thanks to Rebecca for, you know, setting me up with that because this that opportunity actually came through her. <laughs> I said, I got a name for you. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, yeah, you know, you podcast friends. Yeah. Neurobiology and dieting. Yeah. Did a great, amazing talk to you, but yeah. So like, you know, I'll say yes to stuff like that. Cause it's like, yes, I'll come and, you know, talk to people on a weight, you know, weight stigmatizing platform to maybe reach some people in that audience who need to hear the message that I'm delivering, but I'm not going to deliver. I'm not going to be a home for someone who has weight stigmatizing messaging on my podcast. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to invite them on because even if I'm countering every single point they make, even if I'm debating them really effectively, and that's helpful in some ways to my listeners, I'm also giving them a platform. I'm also giving giving them an audience. I'm opening my audience up to their hurtful messages. And a lot of my audience is in eating disorder recovery, really early stages of recovery. And so, you know, my podcast is just not the place for that. So I think that's kind of a, a big factor for me in terms of messaging. That in a nutshell is why I have a handful of episodes that you will never hear. Same. <laughs> like I tried and I'm like, this one. It's just no. Yeah. Anything anyone else would add? I feel like we've touched on this a little bit with other topics, but yeah. Well, I think with health at every size, um, for those of us who do take on the haze approach, we can become just very passionate and very fueled. And so I think sometimes it can come across as like, this is the better way. This is how you do it. And like, you know, don't do, you know, don't take on the weight. And it's almost like demonizing the weight loss approach. And I think that in having these conversations, like the complexities of people who are affected by weight stigma, it, it's like completely overshadowed. And like, we're not giving voice to all of that gray area. We're not like, you know, and so I think it's really important when exploring, you know, health at every size, intuitive eating to really speak to like contradictions and, and things that, you know, because I think it all sounds really good in theory, but I, I think for people who struggle with body image who identify as fat. I think it's just not as straightforward for them. And it's really important to dive into that as well when having these conversations. So something that I always keep in mind, because I'll get some ideas and like some different things that I'll want to say. And, but what always centers me is like, what does the listener need from this conversation. And it's not about what I think a person needs or what the guest is all about. It's what what does a listener need to hear right now in order to help them feel like they have the power to decide what is the next best step for them. <laughs> and that's not about me. It's not about the guests. So uh, yeah, if you go into podcasting, I, I feel like that that's something that's always helps me to decide the next best step is like, what does a listener actually need right now? And how do I stay out of the way? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give some kudos to Wendy and Jess, who did a great presentation at today's dietitian symposium in the spring about partnering and creating your media kit and how to create your, your character. What's her name again? Oh, Chrisette. Chrisette. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Lizette. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Which is to say any like writing 101 would say like, know your audience, right? Like Instagram, know your audience, social media, know your audience. Podcasting, of course, is no different. We don't actually be able, we can't see our audience. We can't really watch you guys engage with anything. Sometimes people send emails, sometimes they leave ratings or reviews, right? But we don't have a lot of like immediate feedback. And so it sometimes is hard to picture that audience, especially if you're just having a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. So something I think about is like, I have this person in mind that like, 
I know listens and is still a little bit weight centric and weight normative and kind of doesn't get it, but wants to support me because we're friends or, you know, whatever. And sometimes I'll have to like catch myself and be like, wait a minute, if I know that person's listening, how do I want to go about this conversation? Like, how do I make this seem relevant, empathic, like not aggressive (laughs) or like shoving this in your face? And how can I like cater the conversation to that listener? who is like an amorphous person, but I think that helps. Or you can have your own Chrisette. Tell them. It's not, it's like ideal client sort of. Oh, avatar. Yeah. 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 But like Chrisette is a person. Yes. And that really is our person. I know. (laughs) So we, yeah, we came up with in, I don't know, maybe a couple of years after starting our business, just like an ideal client. Like what does she look like? Who is she? What's her background? And ours was Chrisette. Was she from Barbados or? Yeah. She lives in DC. Yeah. She works for a nonprofit. Yeah. She makes 50K. Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah, it's so specific. <laughs> but that is like, like to a T, anyone who we meet, it's like literally that profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, when we think about who we're like creating content for... I do the same. Do yeah. you? Okay. Mm-hmm. It works. It's Joan and she's a law professor. Sometimes she likes to read The Economist, but she really doesn't like to read it. She just kind of keeps it at home to make people think she reads The Economist. Yeah. <laughs> I could go on and on. I have lots, but that's that's a nutshell. (laughs) Okay. So being mindful of time, I want to pause and give a shout out to all the podcasts in the room. So if you could quickly raise your hand, maybe come up here because in past experiences, no one can hear you if you talk from the audience. So come up here one by one or whatever, share your show just so we have that on the record. Yeah. Lots of claps. Hi, everybody. My podcast is with Kelly Jones, another fellow dietitian. It's called Imperfect Health, and it's all about a variety of wellness topics, but it's definitely about fighting perfectionism in all of those different areas. Thank you. Hi, my name is Andrea Paul. I do a podcast with my friend who is an intuitive eating health coach in Portland, Maine. It's called Food Confidence. And our ideal audience that we're trying to reach is parents and caregivers, anybody who has you know, kids in their life or is, you know, influencing the health and well-being of kids. So we have a IE and haze lens on, on those things. Hi, I'm Christina Johnson and I do a podcast called Intuitive Eating for the Culture. And I made it this really fun space of talking about all the things that intuitive eating is and health at every size for someone who doesn't look like the Instagram model of intuitive eating and health at every size. (laughs) Because I don't look like the Instagram model of intuitive eating and health at every size. (laughs) So that's really what it's about. And it's just kind of having this really stream of consciousness of like, hey, this is what I saw in the media, or this is what I've been having conversations with my friends about, or this is what I'm seeing like a trend on Instagram. And I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's pick it apart. But let's talk about it from a space where you feel like, oh, okay, even if I don't necessarily relate to them, let me see how I can pull that piece out for my own life. Hi, my name is Krista Bigler. I have a podcast called The Less Stressed Life, which is a very accidental title when I was trying to come up with a title. (laughs) And I also have a journalism background. I really just love the interviewing part. And so I interview a lot of, you know, you start with your friends, dietitians. So that happened. Lots of topics of dietitians and then lots of health professionals. And then what happened is we're talking about ICAs or avatars. I just had all these health professionals reaching out to me. So it turns out that my audience is health professionals and smart, savvy moms. So at the end of the show, the goal is always to have that aha moment. Like, oh, I didn't know you could do that for that. Or, oh, 
I didn't know that was an option. So that's kind of a, it's really fueled by my own curiosity. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer McGurk. My podcast is actually kind of new. I just started it to air it in August. It's called Pursuing Private Practice. And I saw a need for business education and business support because so many of us dietitians want to start a private practice or want to start a business. And as we know, this space is a little bit different than the typical business space. So I wanted to have conversations with people around starting their business, what they've learned, how every single one of my guests so far has really started in the weight-centric model and has shifted over to health at every size. And that was me as well. So I wanted to show other people that it's totally possible to come over to this side, which is amazing, as we all know. But yeah, that's my show. <laughs> Hello. Turn around. I'm Whitney Catalano. I have Trust Your Body Project. It's my Instagram and podcast. And it's kind of like learning to trust your body more than your diet. That's how it all started. I'm definitely gearing more towards like mental health and talking about stigma in all aspects of the term and just having... I have guests on all the time. So yeah, it's been really fun and come check me out. Hello, my name is Kirsten Ackerman. My podcast is Intuitive Bites. And my goal was really to just offer like really short and sweet episodes on intuitive eating and health at every size. I know people are always running places and I just wanted like, you know, all the concepts in a short amount of time for people to listen to. And I just wanted to share with you guys that I totally started with my Apple headphones. So it can be done. <laughs> Hi, I'm Katie Zanville. I host a show with my best gal pal, Amanda Odemark, and it's called Butter and Jam. And we just talk about food. So we break down a food item each episode and we talk about the history behind it, the science, childhood memories that we have. We talk about where to eat it in New York, where I live, and then how to cook it at home. So it's just a fun food podcast. Cool. Okay. With a few minutes, does anyone have any questions that we didn't address? The question is, what tips do you guys have for podcast guests? That's a relatively quick answer for me. I usually say, have a microphone if you have it handy. Definitely headphones so it doesn't catch background noise or catches less of the background noise. Shut down internet programs that take a lot of bandwidth and be in a quiet space. I have something I would add to that too. Besides those, that's really, really important. Yeah. But I find it really helpful to ask someone's, you know, if I'm going to record on their show, like, who is your listener? Like, what do you want to get out of this? So then you can tailor it to that. And it also gives you a good heads up because I'll be, I'll be on anybody's podcast. It's like a, some keto show called and said, do you want to be on my podcast? I'll go on anyone's podcast. They're not going to be on mine, but I will be on theirs. And because I'm like, I'll talk about Haze on that podcast, right? <laughs> So I'm like, who's your listener? Oh, okay. You work with women who are wanting to lose their belly fat. Okay. Then I'm going to really try to put the haze message in that way. So yeah, find out who their listener is. And some people really like a really quiet and super like formal. And I know for me, I always tell my guests, like, I like it to be really relaxed, like almost like a fancy conversation you'd have with a colleague. I want it to be off the cuff and just I want you to talk about things that you like to talk about. So find out from the person that you're talking with, like what they prefer. Yeah. Yeah. I have had people say to me, and sometimes I say this, but like, this is a podcast. We have lots of time. So share really long answers and go into detail. Like this is not like a five minute news show. Like we have all the time in the world. Actually, we have 70 minutes. So keep that in mind. But you know, like we want it to be a conversation. We want it to feel authentic. We want you to like share more detail. So that is also a good tip to give to people, depending on the style of your show and how much time you actually have. 
I think, so I'm assuming that this is like, I'm trying to break into guesting you know, type of a question. Right. So I think just go on a walk and talk to yourself. Be that weirdo, right? <laughs> Be the weirdo. Because it is, yes, it's technically messaging yourself, but you're having, you're practicing and pretending this conversation. Uh, people love storytelling. I, you know, accidentally happened upon starting the show with, I want to tell the listeners how I came to book you as a guest. And so it, it we're jumping in with storytelling, you know? So you can get what you really are passionate about across through story and experiences. And I would say, feel the fear. What's the saying? Feel the fear and do it anyway. So there might be something where you don't 100% agree or align. Is, oh, I want to be on the show. I don't want them to ditch the show. You know, it's like have those sort of yes, yes ands, you know, or oh, that's interesting. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, you know, and in my experience, you know, so just kind of be prepared for anything could happen. And, you know, but ultimately think in mind, I want to help them have an excellent show. And I want to have something that I feel proud to share. And so I think as a guest, I think there's a lot of practice on your end. And we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree about the practice. I think, I mean, when I first started my podcast, I walked around, I was that weirdo. I was <laughs> recording audio notes in my phone and listening back to them and trying to work out my messaging. And I think that's really helpful. I think also having some notes in front of you is great. You know, having like talking points that you want to get across, you know, if you learned anything from like watching politics on TV, it's like they can spin any question into their talking point, right? Yeah. And like, not that that's appropriate for every single podcast, but like the podcast where it's sort of like quick questions and where it does follow kind of a stricter format or it's a shorter amount of time. I think it's good to have like points that you want to get across and things that you want to make sure that audience hears and, you know, find a way to weave them in no matter what the question the, the host asks. Yeah. I would also say listen to the show you're going to be on if you haven't already. So like if someone has reached out to you and they want you to come on a show, listen. You don't have to listen to the whole episode, like a few minutes here and there, but get a sense of like their interview style, what kind of topics they tend to come back to really often, you know, what with what time you have, I would say get a sense of who you're talking to. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on non-RDs starting a podcast. So people without the credential yet working towards their credential, but just very small voices and still learning lots um, within the field. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm just going to say that you're not a small voice. No, uh -huh. That is not a small voice. Yeah. I Well, I would say one thing about that. Like I, I used to maybe 10 years ago say, oh, wait, wait until you have the credential. But I also see that there's a lot of, it's really hard to become a dietitian. There's a lot of barriers to become a dietitian. You have to be financially in a place to be able to work for free for a year. <laughs> so like there's lots of limitations to it. And I see then that really limits what messages are getting out there. And that keeps the all the podcasters looking the same. And we do not want that. So I'm like, if you want to start a podcast, we need your voice. Like then I would just, I, and I would say the same thing about someone who's a health coach or somebody who's in any kind of different area, the same thing, because we need to hear all the different voices. 
I was going to add that we actually started our web series before we were RDs also. And we just said we're not RDs and we were very vocal about we're in school. And then when we became RDs, it was like a big celebration on the show. (laughs) So I think it's fine. And, you know, especially if you're bringing guests on, that can be really helpful. If you're telling your story, I'm trying to think of, I feel like there's a lot of non-RDs or RDs to be who are killing it. Emily Eats, I don't know if you guys... Yeah, she's on Instagram and she has a whole business and she's doing amazing and she's not an RD yet. So I feel like there's definitely space for that. All right. Well, with the little like couple minutes we have left, I'm just going to sign off. Thank you so much to everyone on the panel for joining us. Thank you guys all for coming. Linger, chat, network, whatever word you want to use. But thank you for being here. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this live from Fancy panel. It was so much fun to record and I hope it helped you just to figure out new ways to navigate your food peace journey. And I hope you also check out the Body Kindness, Food Psych, and Food Heaven podcasts. Those are all great dietitians that I've learned so much from and I know they can fuel your journey as well. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating, a review, subscribed, or shared the episode. Doing any of these acts of kindness really helps the show grow. And I appreciate in advance anything you can do to help more people have access to food peace. If you experience PCOS and are looking for more tools to navigate your food peace journey, I have a course made just for you. Check out all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. All right. So until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.